0: Hello, everyone. I'm Brian D'Novellis and welcome to episode 16 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. December 9th, 2021. Ask yourself this, Rutgers and Seton Hall fans, where were you? Were you at Jersey Mike's Arena when Ron Harper Jr. hit the shot heard round the country? Inside Williams with seven, one on one with Amori, gets inside, puts
1: it up and in with 3.4 to go. Get it to Harper with three, with two, with one. Harper for the win. Got it. Let's go. Let's go, Harper Jr. Let's go. Game winner at the buzzer. Let's go. And Rutgers upsets number one Purdue, 70 to 68. Let's go first time in program history
0: that they have beaten a number one team yes indeed that was former scarlet knight austin johnson with jerry Reco on the call let's go right i'm surprised he didn't storm the court as rutgers shot number one purdue 70 to 68 on that buzzer beater by ron harper jr just inside half court or were you at the rock for number twenty-three Seton Hall and number seven Texas? Allen throws it up no and Seton Hall has its second top ten win of the year. Sixty-four to sixty, the final scores. The twenty-third ranked Pirates take down number seven Texas. I dare you to find a better night. For two New Jersey basketball programs, then December 9th, 2021. Number seven, Texas, shot down by Seton Hall. Then, just what was it? Less than a half an hour later, 30 miles south on the Turnpike, number one, Purdue, stunned by Rutgers at the buzzer. Number seven, number one, going down on the same night, less than 30 minutes apart, right here in New Jersey for one night, New Jersey was the center of the college basketball universe. Doesn't get much better than that, folks. Certainly not in December. What a show we have for you on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I'll recap both historic wins. And if that's not enough, I'll also be joined by Seton Hall fan favorite, Marcus Toniel, to relive some of these epic rivalry games. And let me tell you something Marcus Tony Hell always seemed to be involved in some of the biggest games in this rivalry's history at the center of controversy, whether he wanted it that way or not. It just always seemed like Marcus was at the center of something surrounding Seton Hall and Rutgers. No question about it. But before we get to Marcus, let's begin with Rutgers. Because when you beat the number one team in the country, you deserve to start things off. There is no way that college basketball fans could have predicted this. Sure, the most optimistic Rutgers fans were probably maybe hoping Rutgers would keep this close, maybe have a chance late, but everything that I've heard and felt from this team was doom and gloom. The sky's falling, the season's over, fire Steve Peichel. Are you kidding me? Well, no, you're not because these are fans and fans get emotional. What have you done for me lately, right? They have a very short term memory and We're fans, that's how fans react and overreact. But we have to credit everybody here, okay? Because Rutgers came up with, without question, their best performance of the season on the heels of their worst performance of the season, getting shellacked by 30 points at Illinois in a game where fans, even their own coach, questioned their effort, questioned their defensive effort, questioned their effort on both sides of the court. Well, they responded in a way, very few people, if any, outside of Piscataway and in Piscataway could have predicted as they shocked Purdue at the buzzer. And this wasn't like an epic comeback by Rutgers. Okay. They were winning this game at halftime, 36, 35. They were shooting the lights out. It took an outstanding shooting performance by Rutgers. It took their best shooting performance of the season. They were six for 10 from three in the first half. Unheard of. For the game, Rutgers shot 52%, okay? They were, they shot season highs across the board, 52% from the floor. 50%, 7 of 14 from three in the game, and 72% from the free throw line, all well above their season averages. Rutgers can't shoot. They can't shoot the three. They can't shoot free throws. Well, for one magical night in Piscataway, they did. Rutgers fans, you can only hope, let's hope this shooting continues. They did it on a night when they had to come back from 10 points down with eight and a half minutes to go. It seemed like Purdue, the number one team, was going to really start to take control of this game in the second half when they went up by 10. But Rutgers chipped away. And it was, it was unsung heroes in the second half. Guys like Cliff Amori, guys like Mowat Mag, Guys like Caleb McConnell getting steals, getting layups, getting defensive stops, taking defensive pride in what they do. But it was Ron Harper Jr. who really put this team on his back with a season high, with a career high 30 points. So let's go over the final 20 seconds when Rutgers is down and they, they, turn the ball over with 30 seconds to go down one and you're thinking oh no there goes an opportunity but then rutgers gets the full court press they get a double team in the corner right in front of the bench and they get a travel and a turnover and suddenly there's life again ron harper jr then hits a fadeaway jumper well defended, I might add, gets to his spot, hits the jumper for his 27th points of the game, gives Rutgers the one-point lead with 13 seconds to go. But then at the other end, Trevion Williams hits a tough first-team, all-Big Ten type of a shot in the lane over Cliff Amore to put Purdue up with three seconds to go No timeouts for Rutgers. They inbound the ball to Ron Harper Jr. And he just, folks, the rest is history. All right. And I guess what comes around goes around, right? Because wasn't it just two weeks ago that Paul Mulcahy gave Rutgers the lead at UMass in the final seconds, only to see UMass hit a half court shot or not a half-court shot, it was a three, but it wasn't really contested until the last second by by Mag. But somehow Rutgers, just a couple of weeks later, gets to rewrite the script. And instead of them falling by a three-point shot at the buzzer, they win by a three-point half-court heave at the buzzer. You can't make it up. It's college basketball, something good Something great, something grand has finally happened for Rutgers and maybe their season is turning around. I said with Jerry Carino on the last podcast, Rutgers was facing one of its biggest, toughest stretches of the season, home to Clemson at Illinois, home to Purdue at Seton Hall, win No worse, two of those four. You wanted to come out of this with a split. Well, they've won two of three. And with a win at Seton Hall on Sunday, they will have won three of four. And not only that, erased the bad taste of losing at home to
1: Lafayette.
0: Losing at DePaul who was predicted last in the Big East, and losing, my my God, at UMass, that all can be erased if they can somehow pull off what many thought was an improbable sweep of Purdue and Seton Hall, two ranked teams in a span of four days. Let me tell you something. They're gonna have to do it with more of this. They're going to have to do do it with more grit and guile and Caleb O'Connell coming up with defensive stops and Cliff Amore continuing to emerge and develop as a Rutgers big man. They're going to have to do it with Jaden Jones and Andre Hyatt and Jalen Miller. And they're going to need the bench to step up and Paul Mulcahy running the show and hopefully having a better game than he did against Purdue when he shot 0 for 5, 0 for 2 from uh, 3, didn't score a single point. But I'm sure he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't care about the statistics because I'm sure there's nothing more that Paul Mulcahy and the rest of his Rutgers teammates want to do more than beat Seton Hall at the Rock on Sunday. And by the way, did you hear the quotes from Steve Peichel, after this win. He praised McConnell for his defense against Sasha Stefanovich, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. Uh, Made it very difficult for him. He shot two of seven, okay? Rutgers put together the defensive effort that they've been known to produce under Steve Peichel. And he also praised Ron Harper Jr. Did you hear that? He said during warmups, Harper made the same half court shot during their walkthrough earlier in the day in the same spot. So practice makes perfect. Practice makes permanent. Practice made a winner out of Rutgers. Uh, Fantastic. It's great for New Jersey. It, it, It is great for college basketball. It just goes to show you that why this college basketball regular season, it matters. And it matters again for Rutgers. And it matters as well for Seton Hall because just North up the turnpike, Seton Hall also made history. Rutgers made history beating a number one team for the first time ever in program history. While Seton Hall made history by beating two non-conference top 10 teams in the regular season for the first time ever in the Big East era. And this team, if they can beat Rutgers on Sunday, how can you not call this a top 15, top 12 team? Listen, don't take my opinion for it. Chris Beard, one of the most respected and winningest coaches in college basketball in present day said it after Seton Hall beat his Texas Longhorns. He said, I don't care what Seton Hall is ranked. This is one of the top 12 teams in the country. And in his mind, one of the 12 teams right now in December that has a chance to win a national championship. Now, listen, talk is cheap. But to say that now, that is high, high praise. There is a long way to go before Seton Hall can even talk about, you know, Being in the national championship race. Let's see how they finish the Big East regular season before we start talking about that. But this team, Seton Hall fans, I mean, if you're not excited about this Seton Hall team, then then you're not paying attention. Okay. Then then you have you have no interest in this program. But all you had to do was see the sea of blue. I was sitting about, I had really good seats, thanks to my good friend, Billy Reddick, who really, really hooked me up with seats, former catcher at Seton Hall University, Billy Reddick. We were opposite the Seton Hall bench, 11 rows up, and I was staring to my right. I have never, I have been going to Seton Hall basketball games for 32 years. I have never, ever seen this many students, this much blue, Normally it's like a a strip or two strips going up and you're lucky. It goes all the way up in the lower bowl. Brian felt Seton hall athletic director estimated 1600 Seton hall students at that game. You can expect upwards of 2000 on Sunday because Seton hall has opened up parts of the upper deck, the 100 section, exclusively for Seton Hall students only because the demand is so high. And let me tell you something, that is really, really getting under the skin of Rutgers fans. And honestly, I can't blame them. I I can't blame them because Seton Hall, uh, when they opened up their tickets for their games this year, individual tickets at the Prudential Center, they opened up all the games to the public except for one Seton Hall Rutgers. And those tickets were going to alumni and fans who follow the Seton Hall program or are close to the program. So it's a rivalry folks, these things happen and Rutgers did the same thing just a couple of years ago. All right, Rutgers seats 8,000 at Jersey Mike's Arena and the lower bowl is ten thousand five hundred, I believe, just over ten thousand for full capacity. So, listen, would I be mad if I'm a Rutgers fan? Yeah, I'd be a little miffed. But you want to go to the game, you got to pay it, just like Seton Hall fans have had to pay, you know, and and sit in the 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 rafters in the upper left corner, very high up, all right, or, or pay a premium for these seats. That's what a rivalry. Is about anyway. Uh, expect about at least two thousand students at this game on Sunday night, and expect to see this Seton Hall team and Rutgers team play really hard because Seton Hall. If you're paying attention, and 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 now I think the the country is paying attention to Seton Hall. All right, you have you have college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg. Uh, Fran Fraschilla, Steve Lavin, these guys know that Seton Hall can play. And what impresses me the most is their depth. I've been talking about it. All right, their bench, they roll out minimum nine players, 10 players every game. All right, minimum nine. Seton Hall's bench, tremendous job. Outscored Texas 17 to two. Samuel When Ike Obiagu went down with an ankle injury early in, well, what appeared to be an ankle injury early in the first half, Tyree Samuel had to step up because Trey Mitchell was going off, all right? Trey Mitchell, who averages 10 points a game for Texas, ended up with 19 points, 11 rebounds. He was as unstoppable as you could be. Uh, But Seton Hall made it very difficult for him. And Tyrese Samuel was the one making it the most difficult. Tyrese's final line, seven points on three or four shooting, 11 rebounds, six of those on the offensive end. Remarkable and four blocks. One of his best all around games in a pirate uniform. Why? Because he didn't do it against Fairley Dickinson. He didn't do it against Nyack College, Division II. He did it against the number seven team in the country who has a formidable front line. Tyrese Samuel was an absolute beast on both ends of the court. And Seton Hall doesn't win this game without his efforts offensively, defensively. On the boards, on the offensive boards, without question, they don't do it without him. They also don't do it without Alexis Yetna, who is now you're seeing him rebound like Angel Delgado, picking up another double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Every time Seton Hall needed a big defensive rebound, it seemed like Yetna was the guy getting that rebound. Eight defensive rebounds, 11 overall. And of course, Jared Roden, my gosh, he is the most low key under the radar Seton Hall superstar. Seton Hall go-to guy that I can remember since Adrian Griffin. And that's high praise because he's about the same size and reminds me of Adrian Griffin with his mid-range game. Jared Roden is a throwback. Jared Roden is not going to shoot a lot of threes. He will keep you honest shooting threes. But man, watching him get to his spot that 15 to 17 foot mid range pull up fadeaway jumper and guys know it's coming. He still gets to his spot and he still drains them. All right. It is so much fun to watch Jared Roden for the past four years. And it is so much fun to watch him be the heart and soul of this team, hitting big shot after big shot in the second half, running over to the student section with his hands in the air, firing up the crowd. He really, really relishes playing in a Seton Hall uniform. He relishes that role as the go-to player. And he knows he has a tremendous supporting cast. Folks, this Seton Hall team reminds me more and more of the 89 team that went to the championship game, okay? And here's why. Their front court depth, their depth overall, I've been saying it all season, this is as deep a Seton Hall team. It's deeper than any team we've seen since 1989. And it's their front court depth Ramon Ramos, Franz Volsi, Daryl Walker, Michael Cooper, Anthony Avent have been replaced by Ike Obiagu, Alexis Yetna, Trey Jackson, Tyree Samuel. These are big, long dudes. These are guys who aren't just wiry, they're muscular. And I'm going to even throw Jared Roden in there. I know he's a guard, but he's a hybrid. He's a small forward, big guard who rebounds as well as anyone on the team. He had five rebounds in this game. All right. And a huge offensive rebound late in the game and a putback. All right. It reminds me of that 89 team because of their confidence. Uh, Andrew Gaze was the piece, the missing piece from that 88 team that went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. Andrew Gaze was the, the piece that put Seton Hall over the top. That was a senior-laden team, a team that was getting better each and every year. So unlike that team, this team differs because it's a, it's an age of transfers. And you have guys that are coming in and figuring out their roles who've transferred in like Jackson, and Harris, and Yetna, but it's also a senior-laden team with Bryce Aiken, with Miles Kale, with Jared Roden, with Iko Biagu. Okay? It's a veteran team that plays for one another. It's a veteran team that on any given night, any of these guys... be the leading scorer. Like that 89 team, John Morton, the unassuming superstar. Big East opponents knew how good John Morton was, but he wasn't really a national, you know, Miles Powell type of a superstar or a Terry DeHair type of a superstar. Jared Roden is just like that. He might not be a national name, but in the Big East, the opponents the coaches know how good this dude is. Trust me, Chris Beard knew how good Jared Roden was, and he still delivered 18 points, five rebounds. The last guy I wanna talk about is Bryce Aiken. Man, oh man, oh man. Bryce Aiken drives you more crazy. Bryce Aiken drives Seton Hall fans crazier than any other player in recent history. I can't think of anybody who fans are saying, Seton Hall fans are saying, stop shooting. He was 0 for seven. He couldn't buy a bucket. As my uncle Gil would say, he couldn't hit the ocean if he fell out of a boat. Okay? God bless uncle Gil's soul. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, right? 0 for seven. I had Texas fans behind me when Aiken had the ball. Shoot, shoot. And Seton Hall fans, one row down, saying, don't shoot. And then in typical Bryce Aiken fashion, the moment gets bigger. And he gets better. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants the big shot. Yes, Jared Roden is still the guy who's going to take big shots, but... Bryce Aiken, even his coach, Kevin Willard said in his post-game comments, I know when he's going to take the shot. I know when he's going to make it. He loved the fact that Bryce Aiken took that three-pointer in the final couple of minutes in a one-point game. Bryce Aiken, I know Seton Hall fans were saying, no, no, don't shoot, yes, yes, shoot, yes, because I was there. And that shot put them up four. This was just seconds after he had missed the front end of a one-and-one. Talk about going from goat to hero. And wouldn't you know it, Bryce Aiken sealed the deal in the final seconds when he hit two free throws. After missing the front end of a one-and-one a minute earlier, Bryce Aiken hits both ends of one-and-one to put Seton Hall up 4 to seal this game, to seal another victory over a top 10 team for Seton Hall, 64-60. They did it with defense. They did it with guile. Texas was shooting 56% in the first half, not because Seton Hall was playing poor defense, but because they were hitting tough shots. Even Kevin Willard said afterward, guys, I told him at halftime, Don't change what you're doing. They're hitting tough shots. We're defending well. Don't change what you're doing. Continue doing that in the second half, and they're going to stop hitting shots. You know what? Coach was right. They go from hitting 56% in the first half to 31% in the second half. And for the game, Texas shot one for 13 from three. Tremendous defensive effort by Seton Hall. That's what won them this game. Individually, it was Aiken and Roden and Samuel and Yetna down the stretch. But collectively, this team plays really good team defense and they play for each other. So does Rutgers. And that brings us to the rivalry. And as fate would have it, Rutgers and Seton Hall are playing each other on Sunday night at the Prudential Center. The 72nd meeting between RU and SHU. And for those of you scoring at home, Seton Hall does hold a 40 to 31 advantage. Does anyone really score at home by the way? If you do, there you are. Seton Hall holds a 40 to 31 advantage all time. They've won five of the last seven overall and the last three at the Prudential Center. Now, to get you ready, I've corralled a fan favorite from Seton Hall. I tried to get, and I had him for a little while, Marquise Webb from Rutgers, but he is now the head coach of Patterson East Side, their boys' basketball program. And some things happened last minute. They have what's called ghost madness, kind of like a midnight madness at Patterson Eastside. And some things that were out of his control he had to attend to. So I apologize. Hopefully, we'll get Marquise on in the future. So we're going to go with with Marcus Toniel, who, for my money, okay, is a Hall of Fame quote, if there ever was one. Marcus Toniel, during my days at News 12 New Jersey, was always one of my go-to guys in the locker room. So Marcus, welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Report. It is great to talk to you once again, my friend.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it.
0: So before we even get to the rivalry, Marcus, okay, where were you Thursday night when Seton Hall knocked off Texas? You were at The Rock, weren't you?
1: Of course I was at The Rock. I couldn't (laughs) miss that. I was at The Rock. I was in the suite and just watching uh, our Seton Hall beloved team, you know, take care of business.
0: So what did you think of their performance uh, before we get to Rutgers and Seton Hall? What, what did you think of, of how they handled Texas, especially the way they defended in the second half?
1: I, I love the way they defended. And if you know anything about the teams that I played on at Seton Hall, defense is one of our, the things we hung our hats on. So to watch those guys defend the way they defended, they used their length. They were able to out-rebound Texas with relative ease. Um, it, it really gave us an opportunity to... Um, to go ahead and control the boards, get us some second shots and finish some, some shots around the rim.
0: All right, Marcus, when I say Seton Hall Rutgers, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you?
1: At, at this point in my life, there's an asterisk. If you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, I probably would have used foul language. <laughs> you know, but, um, over the years, obviously, one of my best friends is, is an assistant coach over there uh, and Brandon Knight. I've had opportunity to watch Rutgers, talk to him about Rutgers and pay more attention. But just in this natural onset, when I hear Seton hall Rutgers, obviously, the first word is rivalry. The second word is kill him.
0: <laughs> Spoken like a true pirate. And, and of course, you and Brandon are, are, are both Seton Hall prep guys. So I, I understand the relationship there. You were involved, it seems like, Marcus, you, you were the heart and soul of those Pirate teams from 2000 to 2004. You were on that, that epic uh, team that knocked off Arizona in North Carolina in the NCAA tournament and then played Duke. But when you played Rutgers in, in 2004, that, that might have been one of the most epic games in, in this rivalry when Seton Hall... Beat Rutgers at the rack. At that time, Rutgers had only lost one game that year at the rack. They were 16 and one. They had lost to number one UConn, with, you know, they had the great Ben Gordon and uh, Charlie Villanueva on that team, Emeka Okafor. You guys came in there really needing this game late in the season in March, and you pulled it off on an Andre Barrett three pointer. What do you remember right. about? that last sequence when barrett hits the three and then rutgers has a chance to tie it and misses it late
1: right i remember i think andre hit that three from the hash in front of our bench and i just remember once it going down he let everybody in the rack know it was over the thing about about us when we play rutgers at rutgers that is is one of the best college environments you could play in. You know, the fans are on top of you. And even when you hit that shot, because of the emotion, the raw intensity that's in that building, you can always feel like something, like what's about to happen next. You know, the air was never sucked out of the, 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 the arena. Right. It's, it's sort of like, you know, when you see Ron Harper hit the, the half-court shot um, against Purdue. It's kinda of like the same thing, like that that raw intensity, it never left that gym and and that kinda of, I believe gave him that extra that extra umph, that extra special something you need to knock down or, or hit a shot like that. We were just fortunate that, you know, they took a, a three and uh and missed it.
0: No question. So so when you played at the rack, are there any stories that you remember as a visiting member? going in there and, and what it was like to not only deal with the crowd, but the atmosphere, the locker rooms?
1: Man, I'll tell you this. One, I was very familiar with the rec right, from my high school days, um, playing in the tournament of champion. And uh, we, we were always the, the one the one of the two seeds so we always had the Rutgers locker room. So going to Rutgers, for me, it always felt like home. The one story that I do have, Sophomore year, which one I'm probably most infamous for, is when we played uh, Rutgers. And I fouled Mike Sherrard pretty hard, uh, him going to the basket for a layup. And then uh, we got into a little scuffle, you know, uh, Seaton Hall and Rutgers. And I ended up getting ejected from that game. That was a game where it kind of set the tone of who Seaton Hall was going to be moving forward.
0: So when Sherrard's going in for the layup, Marcus, because I, re- I remember the scuffle in the crowd, the benches cleared. And it was, it was actually, you know, a pretty big scrum. When you fouled him, did you say, like, no way is he going in for a layup? Like, like you, you knew what you were
1: going to do. When I first of all, I, did, I still to this day don't think the play was that bad because I, I was reaching for the ball. I've, I've never been a dirty player. Uh, so the fact that it happened at full speed, um, I think made it worse. And um, his reaction to the foul, kind of escalated the situation. Well, I, I've never been in a situation where I was, just, like I said, playing dirty or wanting to foul somebody um, hard to hurt him. You know, so when a when play happened, I, I would still make that play.
0: So it's a typical Marcus Tony L hustle play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think that you were improperly villainized
1: with, with the Rutgers fans then? Uh, I- I, of course, but I take it because I understand what the rivalry is, you know, and as long as I had Seton Hall faithful with me, I knew I was safe. Did you get, okay, we know the
0: fans get up for these games, Marcus, but mm-hmm. do the players really get up for Rutgers and vice versa?
1: Absolutely, because we know it's at stake. The players treat this game, I don't want to say like as a championship, but it's definitely the game that's on the schedule that you circle, that you look forward to. You know, when we played, we was, when we figured out who we were, once we had that identity, especially in my last two years, we wanted to collect home courts. And we took pride in going to the rack and beating Rutgers.
0: And when you played, you played them twice a year. You know, now they're out of the conference and it's once a year, which is great. But back then you had to play them twice. Even with an unbalanced schedule, you always played Rutgers twice in the Big East.
1: Oh, we always played them twice. I think I might have lost to them only twice, maybe three times. But I think I lost to them twice. And that says a lot because none of these games were blowouts. Um, so they could have gone either way. But that's the the beauty of, of the rivalry is that regardless of where those two teams are, if one is greater, one isn't, or or they're both similar. It's always going to be a tight game because both teams understand that it's bigger than just the the winning and the loss. It's about respect. It's about bragging rights, and it's about owning the state.
0: And looking back on those games, Marcus, uh, you know, it's the true sense of a rivalry, no question. Was there any player that you truly hated when you played?
1: nah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't hate anybody. I never hated anybody.
0: I like that. Uh, I think
1: the the media wanted to pit me and Hervey against against each other, and um, he was a rival in high school. I guess that would would make him a, a rival in college. And um, I do know I, I made a quote uh, in a paper when I said Hervey shouldn't hate. That's a female trait, and my my trainer she blasted me the very next morning and I didn't understand why until she told me I offended half the population by saying hate's a female trait. But um, she didn't understand that my favorite rapper is Jay-Z and I was just quoting him and talking about jealousy. And um, and I only used that in reference to Hervey because of something that a reporter told me that Herve said um, the day before. So other than, you know, the media trying to build it up and pit us against each other. Not have. I, I, I didn't have any hate. Like to this day, me and me and her face and we laugh about it.
0: That's great. I mean, you battled, you know, Seton hall prep and, and St. Patrick's always going at each other and uh, you know, tournament of champions and, and epic games. So that's the one thing as well that, that even if you don't play against each other in high school, Rutgers and Seton Hall players played against each other in AAU circuits as well. Right. So, right. so these players have known each other, not just their high school or college years, you know, their youth basketball years. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. You know, once you get to a certain level in our AAU and our high school basketball, everybody knows everybody. You know, everybody's familiar with everybody. And it's always going to be bragging rights. You know, even when guys go to the NBA, they're going to talk about, a high school basketball when you're in the highest level of cuts i'm talking about high school basketball because that's the one level where everybody was able to play against each other where it was on equal footing you know so there's always going to be a reference to high school basketball and i had the seat the hall and Rutgers uh game all those guys already know each other and honestly it's like i used to kick his ass in high school i'm gonna do it again <laughs> and, and, and that's really what the attitude is from Seton Hall of Rutgers and Rutgers to Seton Hall.
0: So we thought for a little while here, you know, Rutgers, you know, you hear on social media, the fans were getting worried. They lost to Lafayette. They lost to UMass, lost that to Paul. That win against Purdue on Thursday night, beating the number one team in the country, Seton Hall beating the number seven team in the country, Suddenly, there is juice. Suddenly, the rivalry is dead center in New Jersey once again with Seton Hall and Rutgers. How great is that for this rivalry? And what are you looking forward to most on Sunday?
1: Uh, It's wonderful. I was just um, telling my friend Rob that we had the number one team in the country. We had the number seven team in the country right here in Jersey, and Jersey represented. You know, at this point in my life, I'm just Jersey. I'm, I'm all Jersey. When when um when Seton Hall is is playing well, of course I'm excited. When when Rutgers is playing well, I'm happy for those guys. They're in a different conference, you know. My friend is coaching there, so when when those guys are playing, they having having success, it looks good for Jersey. Problem is when they play Seton Hall. <laughs> there's nothing that Rutgers could ever do to make me support them when they play Seton Hall. No. There it
0: is. There, and, and, and you put your rivalry aside because you're a Jersey guy and Jersey guys root for other Jersey guys, except sure. when it interferes with their blood and their, their tears and, and, and their, their uniform color. So I, I, I am 100% behind that Marcus, no question. Last question for you, Marcus, all right? As you, since you know both teams very well, as you size up this game, what is your prediction? Uh, How do you see the key points in this game uh, for both sides?
1: I believe Seton Hall wins. Um, I think Rutgers obviously took a step back when they lost their guard and their post player from last year, you know, two of their better players. Um, We have the size advantage. Um, Cliff hasn't quite uh, developed just yet. And I think that Rutgers is still trying to find their identity. And it's going to be a lot to ask of Ron, Ron Harper Jr. To, to, to carry that load. I think Seton Hall right now does it as a team. They, they get contributions from everybody at different at different points. Um, you got Roden playing very well right now. So I'm interested in that matchup between him and Ron Harper Jr. But I think we control the boards. Um, I, I know we're, we're a better shooting team. Um, yet that has proven that he's, he's able to uh, – knock down shots and be clutch. So uh, I, 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 like, I like us, man. I, I like us by, by, I like us by 10.
0: Give
1: me 10, 10. Give me 10.
0: Marcus. This is a rivalry. 10. Okay. It I, is. I, I'll, it I'll, I'll, is. I'll take For
1: anything. I'll take Rutgers in the points in that case. Listen, I, I don't know what the points are. I'm not even a betting man. I just happen to work here up, 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 at, up at FanDuel, but give me, Seton Hall, I think I think we're we're ten points better than um, Rutgers on Sunday.
0: Okay, funny things happen in rivalries, but but Marcus, uh, listen, I appreciate all the time. Enjoy the game on Sunday. I know a lot of Seton Hall and Rutgers fans, and college basketball fans for that matter, across New Jersey and maybe the country are going to be enjoying this one because it is a fantastic rivalry and you brought us back to so many good memories from Seton Hall and Rutgers on both sides. So thank you for being a great ambassador for Seton Hall and this great New Jersey rivalry. Great seeing you once again.
1: Brian, thanks for having me, man, and go Pirates.
0: Marcus Toniel, still one of the great quotes in Seton Hall men's basketball history. You heard him. He doesn't hate, he didn't hate Herve Lamazana. He didn't hate Mike Sherrod, but when you're playing out there, it's a rivalry and you will do whatever it takes for your team to win. And to this day, some of his closest friends, Marquise Webb, Brandon Knight, are affiliated or were affiliated with Rutgers. And as you get older, you mature and you just find that, you know, you're still rooting hard for your team, but you put those bitter feelings, per se. I guess time heals all wounds. That's the case there. I cannot wait for Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Suddenly, this rivalry has juice once again, and the Prudential Center in Newark will take center stage and the spotlight. And right after that, we will have a podcast right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast with a wrap-up and interviews from both sides can't wait for that. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Brian Dinovelis. We'll catch you next time right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast.